Welcome to this week's podcast from Fearless LA. For more information, check out fearlessla.com or explore the Fearless app. Thanks for listening. This is Fearless Los Angeles. Chapter 23, verse number 13. I'm going to read a little bit, if that's okay. Luke chapter 23, verse number 13. This is going to be the most some of us have ever read the Bible in our lives. It's going to be awesome. Luke chapter 23, verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally cool. we got a giant one up here on the screen for you, and you can follow along. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one after the service. Luke chapter 23, verse number 13, and this is uh, the different uh, disciples that took note of what happened, the actual accounts of the story of the crucifixion, of the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, which is what we're celebrating today. 23, verse 13, it says this, Then Pilate, when he called together the chief priests and rulers and people, he said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, hey guys, you brought me this guy, but I've found actually no fault in him. I found nothing concerning the things of which you've accused him of, actually, and neither did Herod, because I couldn't handle it, so I sent him over to my homie Herod, and he was excited to meet Jesus, as we learn in other scriptures, and he actually was so pumped to meet him because he had heard of all the miracles, like dead people rising, arms growing back out, eyes opening, hillsides full of people that followed him like a rock star, and he wanted to meet this Jesus, but when Herod met Jesus, it says that Jesus was silent, and so to mock him, he called him the king of the Jews, And ultimately to mock the Jews and he put a crown on his head and pushed it in with a stick and he put a purple robe on him to represent royalty and he would mock him. They ripped out his beard, but he was silent. Notice that when the greatest position of people coming against Jesus, he didn't even speak back, but he had so much power that in the face of his enemies, he was silent. It's one thing that's powerful to speak, but it's a whole nother level. When you have so much power, you don't have to speak to say things. He said, neither did Herod in verse 15, for I sent him back to him. And indeed, he found nothing deserving of death that was done by him. I will therefore chastise him, which means to beat him, and then release him to you. For I know that it's necessary for him to release and us to release one of them at the feast. So every year, Pilate would bring a prisoner out to the Jewish people, and he'd say, hey, it's feasting time. It's your celebration of the year. It's your, not Easter, but it's your feast. And so we're going to release a prisoner to you that is held in captivity. So, hey, I'm going to beat him. And I know you said he did all these things, but I'm going to release him to you at the feast. And so he says this, okay? You follow me? Verse 18, and then they cried out at once, saying, away with this man. And release to us, what does it say? Come on, say it loud. What does it say? He said, forget Jesus. I know you found no fault in him. I know you want to release him. But give us Barabbas. 
Now, now, just to help you understand, uh, it says in other verses and in this verse, Barabbas was a murderer. He started riots, which, which led to fires all over Rome. He, he, was, he was a liar. He was a thief. If we were to say Barabbas today, it would have kind of sent the same uh, feeling into the people like me saying Ted Bundy. Or, 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 or a killer, uh, that, that a convicted killer, a serial murderer, and here he is, and he's sitting right next to you, right there. Right? Don't move too quick, because he's here. Hannibal Lecter is here tonight, folks. Uh, we've forgiven him, we love him. And even though you're like, oh, God loves everybody, you kind of be like, not go to the bathroom alone, right? You just kind of like, he's here, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, tweet about it, but stay away, right? Does he have the mask on? Okay, good. Right? Release to us Hannibal Lecter. Release to us that murderer, the thief, and punish Jesus. Verse 19. Who had been thrown into prison for certain rebellions made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, the world's wishing to release Jesus, but the religious people are wishing to hold him. And again, he called out to them, but they shouted saying, what? Crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to him a third time, what evil has this man done that you've skipped all the way to the electric chair? What evil has he done? I've found no reason for death in him. I will therefore beat him. He tries to get it out like four times out of it. And then let him go. But they were insistent and they demanded with a loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But they delivered Jesus to their will. The innocent one and released the prisoner. Good. Okay, now I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 27, verse number 35. I told you you're going to read the Bible just a little bit to hear about this story. And ultimately, we're going to find you and I in this story. Verse 35 in chapter 27, and it's going to be on the screens as well. It says, then they crucified him. They divided his garments, cast lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Now, you need to know that everything in Jesus' life was already spoken that would happen 400, 500, some 600 years before he would ever live. Every single detail. Things that others would do to him and things that he would be involved in. Places he would be born and who he would be born to. Verse 38, then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Verse 41, likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, he saves others, but he cannot save himself. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. Here's the religious people. Religious people will always mock the true God. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God, verse 45. 
Now from the sixth hour till the ninth, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabakin. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, we need to understand on the cross that Jesus wasn't just dying for our sins. He was dying as our sins. And because he became our sins, the sin of the world, not you and I's only, but the sin from Adam till the last Adam, the sin from the beginning till the future sin, every lustful thought, every child that was molested, every wife that was cheated on, every husband that was cheated on, every divorce, every piece of anger, every foul word, every filth and garbage and junk. You see, even in the garden, it was Jesus as he was weeping tears of blood. He was so much pressure. He said, God, I know what's coming. And he said, I've been training for this my entire life. And he said, God, could you just let this cup pass from me? And in that word cup, the original language, the wording there is the word dredge. Could you let this dredge, this nastiness, this filth, the dredge was considered the nastiness, the, the dirt. I don't know if you've ever uh, left your dishes in the sink for a while. One time my wife uh, went out of town for about a week, and I decided, why wash the dishes like she always makes me? I'll just do it the day before she comes home. Sounded like a good idea until I had to wash the dishes the day before she came home. I don't know if you've ever smelt the leftovers of cereal and milk and old steak. And, and there was like this smell that I would just avoid in the sink. I would like walk past and just, oh, I'm going to keep praising the Lord anyways. Praise the Lord anyways. I'm going to live like a bachelor. Praise the Lord anyways. I know some of y'all done this before. And, not, and, and you still have those sinks sitting in the dishes right now. You praise the Lord anyways, right? And that day, man, I will tell you what, I had, to, I had to put a scarf around my neck, spray my wife's perfume on it, and I almost passed out three times. Because that steak had corroded in the mouth, and it was nasty, man. And my hope right now is to make some of you look like you're about to throw up. Jesus said, God, will you let this cup pass, the dredge, the... All the filth, all the sin, all the nastiness that is sat in this and will sit in this till the end of time. And God says, I want you to drink this so they don't have to. Jesus said, would you let this cup pass from you? He said, never, never mind. At your will, Father, I'm going to drink it. Jesus went to the cross so that you and I don't have to go to the cross. It's a free gift of salvation. He took our place. And he drank all of our pain. And all of those wounds. Some of you that have been molested and abused. And you hold on to that person that it's so hard to forgive. And I want to tell you this today. That forgiveness does not mean that they didn't hurt you. It simply means that you're going to let Jesus drink the hurt instead of you drinking it. It simply means to walk away and say, I'm not going to live with your dirty dishes in my sink any longer. I'm going to praise God anyway. And Jesus took it all. He said, Father, 
And in this moment, I believe that God turned his head. See, the greatest pain of hell is not the fire. It's the separation from an eternal loving God. Because whether you know it or not right now, the breath in your lungs is that God. The joy that you feel is that God. No matter if you realize it or not, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it. So he is here even right now. But Jesus that day took all of our sin, which separated him from a holy God. You say, why does God not want to be around sin? Because God has a problem. He's holy. Well, God, stop being holy. Stop being so holy, right, already. Just love me. He said, I have a problem. I can't just love you. Because my love and my holiness, look, like love drives out fear, my holiness kills sin. So I can't just wrap my arms around you because I can't overlook what's there because we're sinners. Next time you're in front of a fireplace, go up to the fire and say, hey, fire, how you doing? See your yellow and your gold and your blues. Can I touch you for a few minutes? Can I pet your flowing locks? Can I touch you, fire, right? Don't really do that because people will think you're strange, right? Because that's weird. Fire, just for a couple of seconds. Can you turn down your heat and let me just see you but not feel you? Can you be something that you're not? And a fire goes, I can't be anything but hot. That's in my nature to be hot. The light, when it comes on, it, the darkness is not sitting there going, hey, light. Let's just work this one out, right? So can you just not, like, put light here? Because this is my zone. I like being dark right here, and you turn on the lights, and then it's, like, all bright, and I have to leave. I'm tired of leaving. Can you just, like, turn turn it down, turn it down, turn it down, right? I'm going to turn off the darkness, and, and darkness fighting with light. No, that's not reality. Because light in its character goes boom, and darkness runs for every exit. We call them things like shadows because it finds the biggest thing it can hide behind and it creates a shadow. The same way our God cannot turn down his love, which is great. God doesn't love you. Oh, th that's silly. He can't turn, he can't change that. He always loves me. You're trying to cast fear in me, so I'll remove love. But love casts out fear, and God loves me. He loves me. He loves me. No matter what I've done, no matter what I will do, no matter what I can do, he can't change that. What I do doesn't change who he is. God, stop loving me. Oh, sorry. Right? Okay? The same way with this holiness. So he had a problem. So he could not and did not want to destroy you. So instead, he found a way to punish sin not the sinner, and preserve the sinner. So Jesus took your and I's punishment, and God gave you the credit for Jesus' perfection. You'll get that later. Good. And the cross cannot be God's gift to the world. <laughs> Jesus died for everybody. He loves the world. No, there has to be something in your heart that shifts tonight. It says, Jesus didn't die for the world. That's great. He did. 
but he died for me. Me and all my stuff. He loves me. He cares for me. It's a whisper that comes into your spirit and says, man, not what a man tells me, not what a church tells me, but you've already spoken to me. For God so loved the world, or you, that he gave his only son so that we might have life. You know what the today is about? It's actually not about the cross, though, because the story continues. Would you like to read more? And Jesus cried out with a loud voice in verse 50, and he yielded up his spirit. I love that Jesus, no one killed Jesus. Jesus gave it up. Yeah, you need to know that. You need to know that it's not like the yin and yang, like the devil's over here, and he's hopefully going to get Jesus, and they're in this ultimate fight, and hopefully whoever wins, man, it's going to be a good deal. Come on, Jesus, we're hoping for Jesus, Jesus. You need to know that light cast out darkness. You need to know, look, if I were to introduce Jesus and the devil, and I were to introduce Jesus, I would do it like a, a professional boxing match. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, feast your eyes on the match of the century. In this corner, weighing in at a wuss of 115 pounds, Looks like a snake has been crawling around on his belly. Deceiver, liar, cheat, fake. Trampled on the cross. Defeated at every match he's fought. Introducing the devil. And in this corner... The earth is his footstool, heaven his playground. All of humanity, he knows every hair on their head. King of kings and Lord of lords, alpha and omega, beginning and the end. Faithful father, author and finisher, undefeated, never been beat, needs no boss or directors. Jesus Christ. Look, the devil didn't kill Jesus. Nails didn't kill Jesus. A cross didn't kill Jesus. Jesus killed Jesus. And he did it because he took our sin straight back to the devil for three days. He gave up his spirit. Sorry, I just get excited. I'm trying just to read the Bible normal. It's just 3D to me. It jumps off and it hurts me. Jesus cried in a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. Verse 51. Then behold, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks split open. The veil was the separation between man and God. It was the religious institution that was set up. God lives behind the magical curtain. Right? The Wizard of Oz. God said, I don't want any more Wizard of Oz. Come meet Oz right now. Rip this curtain. I want to know you. Look, you don't need to go to some man to know Jesus. Jesus wants to know you, and that's it. He's inviting you in. The veil was ripped from top to bottom. The earthquakes, the rocks split. I love this right here. you got to look. you got to underline. you got to go, this is pretty cool. 
The graves were open, and many bodies of saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of their graves after his resurrection. So Jesus didn't just rise. A whole bunch of folk rose too. They went into the holy city, and they appeared to many people. Grandma, show up. Hello? Grandma rose from the dead. The power of Jesus' life was so bad. Just like he took all of our death in his rising from the dead, it was so bad it sent shockwaves into the ground. And it had enough power not to just rise him. It rose every dead person within a vicinity of the place. And they all got up out of tombs and visited people. So a centurion with him who was standing guard saw Jesus in the earthquake and saw what started to happen. People getting out of graves. And they feared greatly saying, truly, this is the Son of God. Verse chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began dawn, Mary Magdalene, who, by the way, was saved and, and changed and transformed by Jesus and loved by him. And the other Mary, which was his mom, came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake another earthquake Richter scale 5.0 and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it his countenance was that like lightning that's pretty cool and his clothing was white as snow and the guard shook in fear and became like dead men but the angel answered and said to the woman do not be afraid For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Mm. But the angel said to them, he is not here. For he has risen. This is what we're celebrating today. And the place that the Lord lay, they invited them in. I love that they invited the disciples into Jesus' death so they can be a part of his life. And go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going to be before you in Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to bring his disciples the word. Mm. See, today is not about the cross. The disciples... Over everything they were forbidden to do. They were never forbidden to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Never once. But over and over again, they were locked and chained and imprisoned for preaching this word right here. For their words, they were shut down. No wonder why today the devil wants to shut down your voice. He wants you to be quiet. It's time to open your mouth again and start speaking the power of this gospel. And they weren't killed and martyred. And hung upside down and fed the lions because they talked about the cross. They were killed and fed the lions and hung upside down and sawn in two because they talked about the resurrection. Look, too many times we're so hooked up on the cross. The cross is beautiful because it's where he paid my price. The cross is where I find salvation. It's my crossroad. But I was never meant to stay there. The cross was only there so he could take all my sin 
Look, most of us are still caught up in like, God hates me. He's mad at me. He's a, man, I just did it again. And what's grace? For? No, grace isn't for, forget all that. Grace is so that you could come out of the tomb and start living with Jesus in his power of his resurrection. You know what? I love cross necklaces, but you know what? I, I just think some people should invent something new, right? Because Jesus is not weak and defeated on a cross. I think they should start inventing necklaces that look like a rock or a tomb and some angel just sitting up on it looking like lightning and say, bow, check that out, baby, right? But ultimately, we could take the whole world to Israel and go to the tomb. It's there. We could show them the empty tomb. This is where Jesus was. And I guarantee you, most of them would never believe that it was true. We can show them scientific facts about how there were 500 people that say they saw Jesus and uh, they all died. They all died martyrs' death. So if they were lying, they would have known that they were lying. If they had hid the body, at least one of them would have woke up and said, man, I'm just, I didn't know there was going to be lions involved and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I'm cool with all y'all, but I got to tell them the truth. We hid the body over there behind that tree. Right? At least one of them would have just bowed out. But all 500 of them died martyrs' death. It's one thing to die for something you believe in because people crash into buildings all day long, blow themselves up in car bombings for what they believe to be true. But rarely does a man die for something he knows is a lie. And we could take them there, we could tell them that, but they still wouldn't believe. But the greatest picture of the resurrection of the tomb is what it's done in you and I's life. Yeah, it's a whole different thing to bring a person up here and it goes, I once was lost in drugs, in pornography, in addiction, but now I'm found. In fact, I'm helping homeless people and teenagers get off of drugs and, 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 I'm, and I'm giving purity talks. And all of a sudden someone goes, oh my God. Someone walks up here and lays down heroin, you know, paid all their money for it and says, look, there's got to be something more to life. That is more proof that Jesus is alive today. Your testimony, you are the biggest proof of the open tomb there is in the world, that you have life and life to the fullest. Oh, I'm preaching better than some of y'all shout. The angel said, he's not here. Go quickly, spread the word. But where are we in the story? Because I believe there's a character that I already read about that reminds me of me. I believe he's not maybe the first character you see because Jesus is kind of just there. But he is an important piece of the story. And maybe you've skipped over him. But today, he's about to change your life. See, we never will appreciate what grace has done until we understand who we are. Enter Barabbas. He was a murderer. He was a thief. He was a liar. He deserved what he was there for. To yourself. You're going to like that one. It was a small cell that they put him in, not very big, with one single window the size of a man's hand. 
They set up a chair with a perfect view to the window where he could see one sight. That was the hill that we now call Golgotha, place of the skull. Not because it was cool on a t-shirt, but because many had died there before. The cross was not on churches or cathedrals or necklaces. It was the electric chair of the time. As he looked out the window at the place, the people called it Execution Hill. He's seen it before, but this time, when he looked out the window, it had his name on it. No words, because there was no one to talk to. No more pride in him, because there was no more future for him. For all your brave talk, for all your riots, for all your insurrections, Today, you're silent because you'll be crucified by noon and dead by sundown. He had no treasure full of jewels to sell for freedom, no huge piece of land to bargain to be free, no friends in high places to call. Barabbas had nothing in his eyes but the sight of death that he deserved. Anger in his heart still blood on his hands and defiance in his mind it was his hurt and his hate and his choices his pride and his fear and all of it led him to this place of self-hatred and shame which in turn to addictions and abandonment from others ultimately his emptiness led him to be empty in crowds. His unforgiveness from their words and their wounds. So you can only drink poison for so long and it not affect you. Fear of man overwhelmed him. Loneliness was now all he had. He was violent. You're a troublemaker. You're a life taker. Barabbas, you're guilty charge you'll never escape it I guess death is the only solution but as Barabbas sat breathing his last bit of air on this earth something was going on in another cell and his name was Jesus Barabbas had never met him in fact he had never heard of him never seen him never experienced him didn't even know that jesus actually knew his name he planned this break-in to break him out and he sat maker of the universe creator of his mind and eyes and intellect and body the breath in his lung was given by this man and he sat knowing that just in seconds he would trade his life for his see Barabbas today because of another man you have a different fate I know you don't know it I know you're stuck and you've never met him but he loves you anyways he's proud of you and today he'll take your place can you imagine as he heard the cheers outside his wall, 
thinking they were cheering to kill him thinking it was the families that he had murdered their children the husbands of the wives that had been raped and thinking today I did it I'm guilty as charged today's my last day can you imagine it's the click of the Roman soldiers shoes and their shields that hit the ground their swords that drug as they came into that cell that day they didn't carry swords they carried keys where does this leave us we're stuck in a cell with Barabbas have you ever been stuck with fear and anger and words and wounds and unforgiveness have you ever been like Barabbas we're like him he's who we look like in the story no we don't look like him we are him we are Barabbas we are Barabbas it's our hurt it's our pain it's our choices it's our pride it's our fear it's their words and wounds that we've held on to and we've been found guilty as charged waiting in walled cells to die living life but never finding joy always in the back of your mind you say I'm not Barabbas well, then you would have to talk to the Apostle Paul he says for all have sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God in fact he said even myself I am the chief of sinners he wrote most of the New Testament he was a murderer before that. God wrecked him on a road while he was going the wrong way. But it, he didn't write about it for then. He wrote about it for when he was chasing after God, being beaten for the gospel. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. He said, look, here's how I feel. I feel like inside me, there's like a war raging. I feel like I'm trapped. And he said, it's, it's like a body of death has been attached to me. You know what he's saying? Back in the day, you ever heard the saying, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? And what they would do is if you murdered someone, they wouldn't just put you in a, an electric chair or whatever. They, they, here's your punishment. They're going to take the dude that you killed, and they're going to strap him to you. And his dead, rotting body will eventually, who you killed, will eventually kill you. An eye for an eye, a tooth. They would strap you, hand to his hand, mouth to his mouth. And look, it looked exactly like this. Paul said, I'm strapped, man. Fear is killing me. Insecurity is destroying me. Unforgiveness, loneliness, abandonment. It's like I'm stuck, man, in this body of death just waiting to die. And I did it. I brought this on me. I'm holding on to it. I can't let go. And then he says this. Praise be to Jesus. You know what Jesus did? He said, Bravis, stand up. Here's the keys. You're free to go. Today, there's a man next door. His name, they call him as Jesus. 
He's going to die in your place. You're free. You know what some of us do? The Bible says, preachers say, God loves you. You're forgiven. You don't have to live with this. He comes in the prison and we go, there's no way that's true. I'm just, I'm just going to sit back down here, I, unlocked. How can that be? How can God take all my hurts and my pains and my feet? There's no way. No, I did this. I deserve it. Bring it on. Jesus who? He doesn't even know me. And we sit right back down and live in and never experience the freedom he already won for us. Look, he loves you. He came in and he said, strap it to me, boys. I'm taking all the sin. I'm going to drink the cup. Put it on me. Give it all to me. Brabus, give me that last thing you got, man. You're going free, baby. You don't know me. It's okay. I knew you before your mother knew you. You just don't get it yet. You see, you know what today's about? It's about that Jesus took all that. And then it didn't have power to keep him. Because he wasn't powerful he was all power. He didn't have life. He was life. So death, no matter how much it told life not to be alive, it's like, don't be powerful. Sorry. And he rose from the dead. The beauty of today is not only that he comes and takes your place in the cell, but he sends angels to invite you into his life as well. Mary Magdalene, I know you were forgiven a much. Come in the tomb. Come see where Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. Come see the life he's now given you. You know what he does? He not only takes our place, he adopts us into his family as sons and daughters. Can you imagine, hey, Barabbas, I know you killed a whole bunch of people. I know everyone hates you, but I want you to come live in my house. That's it. God wants us to be sons and daughters. Look, this thing is awesome. But the most powerful part about today is the tomb was empty. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to give you life and life to the fullest. Stop sitting in the cell. Stop beating yourself up. Today is not a day to hate yourself. Today is a day to receive his gift. I don't understand it. But dude, if you're God, I'm probably not going to understand a lot of things about what you do. Do you know how the sun was made and how it's all working? And I mean, most of us don't even know how to figure out our cell phone. But that doesn't stop you from using it. I don't get it. I don't get it. You know what the biggest thing in my world was? The fear of man, emptiness, Self-hatred, addictions. Oh, I had a lot of them. I could keep going. And Jesus took all this. And you know what's so beautiful is the same thing he died for, he now gives me. Where's the fear? Right there. Fear was my biggest thing. What's our church called? Okay. So the same thing he died for, I'm going to now live with. 
I'm going to live with his light on the other side. Some of y'all have been struggling with a lot of things, and God's going to use you, the Jesus in you, to change the game in the very things that had you bound. Come on, somebody, the very things. Somebody ought to shout inside them about what God's going to do in your life, with your life, with who you are. You're a world changer. Come out and let the world See Jesus in you. And then they'll have a happy, stinking Easter. So here's the altar. Here's the end. Over here, we have these cups at the cross. There's already been hundreds of people that have signed this cross and said, God, I'm giving you my life. The greatest thing is not just to give you him your sins, but it's also to live for him. And so today, we are going to remember what Jesus did for us. He tells the disciples, after I'm dead, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. He took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that was broken for you. He broke it and he said, I want you to eat this. I want you to remember, like you celebrate your birthday every year. I want you to remember that I died for you on this cross. And no matter what sin is telling you, no matter what hate is telling you, I want you to remember that it was paid for, and now it's time to live. And then he said, I want you to take this wine. He passed him wine. He said, I want you to take this. So we have juice, so no one gets drunk today. But we have juice. I want you to take this juice, and I want you to drink it. And I want you to remember that I drank the dredge so that now you can drink life. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to stand all over this room. And if you would say, you know what, I've gone a little over six minutes by now. Anybody okay? You still all right? I try to turn up so you can stay and get excited. If you would say, you know, any of those things on those signs, I'm still holding on to. And today I want to I just put on that cross. I want to let go of them. Fear, anger, the past, worry. Maybe you've never met Jesus. You're in that cell, and you're like, dude, this guy died for me. I've never met Jesus. I'd like to shake his hand, if anything. I'd like to meet Jesus and have him be a part of my life. I like this idea of being in his family, if he's going to do that for me. So if you're in this room, you say, any of those things I want to put on the cross. I've picked it up again. I haven't forgiven. People have hurt me, and I want to do that today. Today is Easter And I want to live like he lived coming out of that grave. If that's you, would you just lift your hands? We've had hundreds of people all over. And it's not a weird thing. It's it's actually a normal thing to say, dude, I don't want to live with fear, anxiety, worry. I don't want to live with depression anymore. I don't want to live with unforgiveness, anger. Would you just lift your hands all this room? Can we just have everybody lift up their hands? Jesus, I thank you for all these friends. I thank you for these warriors that are about to change the world. God, I pray right now, we're about to take communion, but I pray as we do, you would prepare our hearts, you would prepare our minds. Would you say this to me? Dear Jesus, today, forgive me of anything I'm holding on to. God, I receive your free gift of salvation. I receive you taking my place. Today, I want to live to the fullest the life you've called me to live. I love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks for listening to another powerful message from Fearless LA. You can follow what's happening at Fearless by going to fearlessla.com, exploring the app, or looking us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. 
If you would like prayer, check out the Prayer Wall in the Fearless app. God bless you.